Hey there, folks. Welcome to 167 of the Becoming Human podcast. This episode features my friends Alfred Marillo and Kyle McCutcheon. Alfie joined me on this episode to talk about being a jiu-jitsu player, learning motor skills, martial arts training, and hands-on training for police officers with Kyle McCutcheon. Kyle is a mentor, teacher, friend, and professional with a big heart. He helps maintain a community and school for jiu-jitsu at his gym, Kindred. Kyle's experience teaching jiu-jitsu, working in law enforcement training, and being a student of martial arts is a potent amalgamation of character in a tumultuous time of violence, sensitivity, and uncertainty. Violence is a fascinating topic that I bump into frequently as a parent. Sometimes my son is too aggressive and sometimes he's too sensitive. But the dichotomy is that sensitivity and aggression are really important. They're not good or bad. They are sometimes one thing or the other. It's very context dependent. And it's challenging to teach someone these things explicitly. But through games, we are able to learn very deep concepts over a long period of time or with high frequency and high engagement. And that's one of the beautiful things about jujitsu to me. Kyle is doing some amazing work in the area of law enforcement, use of force, and community building. You can learn more about Alfie at his YouTube channel, Who.Jitsu. And you can learn more about Kyle and Kindred Jiu-Jitsu at KindredJJ.com. Without any further ado, here's Kyle and Alfie. Oh, they're sharks. You don't have any alligators, though? No, it came in. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you make kids. Um, <laughs> All right. Anyway, Kyle, <laughs> you What's up? you run an uh, an MMA gym here in North Seattle, right? Uh, false. False. I would not consider us an MMA gym by any stretch. We're a jiu-jitsu school that that has a Muay Thai program, but uh, I do not coach MMA fighters, or I don't run MMA classes. Do you? Why? Why is that? <laughs> um, I have you know, deep respect for uh, mixed martial arts and, you know, mixed martial arts athletes. Uh, but it's just, it's just not what, what I'm into it. You know, that I'm not training people to uh, fight in a, in a cage or in a ring uh, necessarily here. You know, we're, uh, we're more focused on you know, grappling arts, jiu-jitsu, wrestling, judo, uh, no-gi jiu-jitsu, and, uh, then we also run a, a pretty casual Muay Thai program. Uh, we're a bang Muay Thai affiliate, but uh, we we don't have any anyone that's like getting in the ring with that or anything. So, so like, would it be fair to say most of your students are recreational students? Yeah, there, we we have some people that compete, um, some people that are maybe nationally recognized, but for the most part, yeah, we're 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 pretty casual. Oh. Is there something about jiu-jitsu more than, like, MMA uh, that lends itself to a casual audience or casual customer base? Um, you know, I've, I've trained in 
and mixed martial arts schools and, and I think it just you know there's a different vibe to a place like that and, and not that it's you know bad or, or anything like that but uh, you know I think it's uh, just a, just a different vibe as far as I feel like jujitsu is a little more laid back uh, MMA schools tend to be a little more intense and uh, a little little more competitive but um, you know I just I, I prefer focusing on on elements of fighting rather than the, the whole mixed martial arts yeah. sport. And like in our current day, there's like a lot of um, cultural chaos in terms of how people like treat different genders, right? And I find jujitsu really interesting because there's a place where patronizing your training partners. Um, or helping them always be just successful, right, and get a submission, mm-hmm. isn't sometimes their detriment. So I think there's an interesting dynamic in jujitsu, learning how to treat other people like fairly and also being competitive and kind. Mm-hmm. Do you, do you see that opportunity there with jujitsu, or like that play out in your class? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, when you come in and you don't know, you don't know anything. You know, you're, you're basically everybody's grappling coming. So uh, you know. There, there is that that great learning curve when you come in completely unskilled and start developing skills. Uh, there, there's always going to be that that dichotomy, um, or a more like a hierarchy, I guess. When the new student comes in and is training with seasoned, you know, jujitsu people, and uh, so yeah, you. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't see it as, as like anything necessarily demeaning or as you put patronizing it. It's more just kind of the way things are um, when you come in and you're unskilled. And I think we do a pretty good job of, uh, you know, letting people learn um, and not necessarily taking it easy on them, but still being welcoming and, and kind to new students that are developing. So, Is there anywhere else in your life where you have the opportunity to engage with your community like that, of just a group of people? Uh, I mean, even my you know, full-time profession, is that, is that kind of where you're going with this? Um, full-time, yeah, full-time profession um, and you're like, just life. Yeah, I, you know, I think jujitsu is pretty unique in that you get all types that kind of come together for one commonality and it's, uh, you know, you may otherwise not intersect with, with the people that, that kind of come together and get on the mat and, and train. Uh, and it also adds the element of, you know, there's something primal that's kind of uh, present in jiu-jitsu when we're, we're going out and we're, we're practicing combat, you know, and especially when we start, you know, rolling and, and really getting after it, then there's, there's it's something that's kind of inside you that creates a bond when you are, you know, simulating, you know, maiming each other. So uh, I think that, that that is pretty unique uh, in, in all combat sports, uh, you know, jiu-jitsu not excluded. What do you think about the bond and like the how you associate with those people you develop a bond in that space with compared to like your your family that you might not have those kind of experiences with but you vacation with? Um, you know, I think that's that's two different categories. You know, your 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 blood is, is one thing, but then you know you you kind of develop a, a different sort of relationship with people, especially long-time students or long-time training partners or, or mentors that, that you have, you know, years of getting on the mat with, and, you know, there's, there's definitely a bond there uh, that is family-like, 
but you know, I don't think there's any actually replacing your family. Yeah. So. But uh, I, I do truly believe it creates a unique bond um, when you spend you know countless hours on the mats together and sweat and bleed together. It's uh, definitely unique. Pretty uh, strong bond. If you could remember, uh, remember way back, because you're like really old. Oh, gee. Uh, <laughs> right. Right. Uh, what was it like? Me. Let okay. me see that. <laughs> He's going to remember that when you're at <laughs> What What was it like um, before you had those kinds of relationships? Like, is it, do you feel like you're missing something when you don't build those kinds of bonds? Because I get that. Like with my family, it's not the same thing. And it's really special, but you know, I, I, I was prior military, and I'm you know, currently law enforcement, and you know, you get camaraderie within those communities as well. And I, w I would say it's it's very similar. Um, you know, in the military, you're off, you know, all over the place with you know the same people, and you definitely form strong relationships. Uh, you know, in, in the law enforcement world, it, it's it's you know similar, uh, without maybe you know traveling across the world with with somebody. But um, so it, it's always kind of been. I've always had strong relationships like that. But you know, I've been training in uh, martial arts my whole life, and you know, I started jujitsu in the late '90s, and you know, I've trained in some facet, you know. With, with a few long breaks here and there, but since then, you know, pretty much the whole time. And uh, so, I mean, it's hard for me to imagine not doing it. And, you know, I always joke around that at some point when my, my body just doesn't work anymore, having my kids roll me to the edge of the mat and <laughs> dump my wheelchair and uh, just calling some some youngster over to, to have a roll. But um, yeah, I don't, you know, I, I can't recall a time where I didn't have some sort of you know unique camaraderie and just like I was saying. Uh, I, as a kid who'd never had that and didn't have anyone to role model that potential, um, I was just had my mom around and it was like family matters and you know uh, work as well. But in the work, um, they were not places that I often would want to be. Sometimes I found camaraderie in that, but it was fleeting, high turnover rate, kind of work I was doing. Uh, I felt really at a loss. And when I came into martial arts, those were bonds that I at first were like, these are the most like intense kind of bonds that I've ever experienced. And then I later realized that they're just different. And then I always was kind of looking for something and didn't really find it. Yeah. Jiu-Jitsu was like one of those things that no matter what kind of position I'm at or you know what I'm doing or where I am, that it's that consistency and stability that I have. And it connects me to my community, I think, too, because I find that sometimes if you develop bonds with the people in your profession, you're like so detached from your whole community. All these other people that do all these, you know, the grocer, or the person who does like is religious or the teacher, and there's not, it's hard to feel that camaraderie with them. But I find it interesting to have a kind of recreation in that you can feel an intense, camaraderie with people that you had no relation to other than where you live so you're you're saying like in in the profession when you develop these strong bonds within the profession that it kind of became an us versus them type of thing like you you were tight with everybody and, and didn't really engage in the community yeah yeah um because then it was just yeah exactly all of us chefs okay and this is the chef life and i think that's pretty normal i think that's a you know human nature that we we kind of pack up like that and 
you've got your tribe of people and everyone else is kind of an outsider. But, um, you know, I, I do believe that's, you know, as I was referring to before, we talk about jujitsu and it kind of knocks down some of those walls because you get all types, you know, mm -hmm. you get chefs that come in and train with, you know, law enforcement professionals that train with, you know, IT dorks and everything else, right? Um, people that are, you know. Bums. Yeah. People that are bums. People that, that are bums, jobs. yeah. <laughs> Alfred Morello, everybody. <laughs> uh, what was it? What's it been like in your experience teaching people in a diverse backgrounds like that? Have you ever seen any like odd uh, points of conflict as a teacher you'd have to resolve, or interesting things that developed over time from like an IT guy uh, developing a relationship with someone you never would normally? Yeah, I think there's just you just have to keep a a amount of self awareness and and you know not project you know maybe my beliefs into into anything or or start going into politics or anything like that because we have all these people from all walks of life and uh, I just got to be very careful with that and and, and make sure that I, I stay. Uh, on neutral ground when it comes to pretty much anything that might alienate someone or, or marginalize them in the group. Um, so there is that dynamic. Uh, nothing that I've ever struggled with, but I've seen where it has happened before and, and, and played out negatively. And so there, it's something that I've always uh, paid attention to and, and you know check myself all the time to make sure that we maintain a welcoming environment for all. And uh, you know it's something that we, we really strive on here. And, and I think we have have that and have done a good job of uh, managing it. So uh, there's definitely that aspect, uh, you know, that, I, that that's probably the biggest thing because as long as something is inviting to somebody, you know, they, they feel accepted and, and regardless of where they're coming from or what they're doing in their life, uh, if they can come here and this is just kind of the sanctuary free from all of that, you know, that that's super important. Uh, and uh, that's, I'm very honored to provide something like that for people. In your experience, the people who come to class, and even yourself, is it some semblance of sanctuary for you? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, there's been some dark parts of my life that, uh, you know, amazingly, I, I come here and just kind of shed everything at the door, and I'm able to forget about it for an hour or two. And, uh, you know, I, I pack that you know, weight back on me when I leave, but at least for that time, you know, I was, I was relieved of it. And... Uh, it, it absolutely is it's been something for me in my life that's always been that nice little escape and uh yeah you know it's 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 definitely uh saved my you know my sanity anyway um you know for for in many instances so what about the nature of the experience um provides that sense of relaxation, whereas these other intense things you might do um, professionally or for like at home, right, doesn't doesn't give you that sense of sanctuary. Like just even out of your specific lifestyle, just for anyone looking yeah. at recreation. Well, I think, you know, similar to, you know, a yo yoga practitioner, there, there's a, a mind and body experience when it comes to jujitsu, kind of making that connection uh, you know, as, as you're practicing and uh, engaging in it where you are uh, not always conscious of, of every movement that you're doing, but it, it's, it almost becomes this zen-like experience, especially after you become a seasoned practitioner uh, and, and, and have really kind of experienced it. I think that's where the real high comes from for a lot of people. It's just this, 
mind and body connection of even if you know you don't necessarily come in and tap everyone out you know there's been some of my best training sessions where you know really on paper would look like a hard day where you know I, I maybe got tapped out as many times as I, I submitted somebody else but uh, the overall experience where you're you're achieving that kind of mind body connection uh, is I believe what what everybody's kind of chasing when when they uh, become a, a practitioner especially a, like I said a seasoned one in your experience outside of uh, martial arts and the recreation, uh, do you see people unconsciously chasing that in other ways, like professionally, personally? Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, just just like, you know, you got people that run marathons, you got people that, you know, uh, enjoy mountain climbing, like such as yourself, you know, that, that anything that, that, that kind of brings that inner peace, I think, you know, like I already referenced yoga, you know, there's many examples of it in life, it's, you know, you know so, something that you're able to sort of find your zen, so, yeah, I mean, there's examples everywhere. Have you met people who, who haven't found a constructive outlet for that and have been self-destructing or... Oh. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's, there's people that just aren't into that stuff, you know, and, you know, maybe their thing is uh, sitting at home watching sports, you know. Uh, it it not, doesn't necessarily mean they're uh, doing it wrong or anything like that, but, um, you know, certainly there's people that have things that are unhealthy for them, you know, people that stumble into drug addiction or alcoholism and, that, that's certainly uh, a, a kind of the opposite of, of the experience that I'm talking about. But uh, I also believe that that's why you hear stories about people that come from drug addiction or alcoholism that kind of find their new addiction in something that's healthy like jiu-jitsu. You know, so. That's what I've wondered sometimes because I realize in absence of these healthy things, I crop up with unhealthy habits that I have to constantly quell left and right, just obsessiveness yeah. in general, you mm -hmm. know, and, but obsessiveness with running, obsessiveness with jiu-jitsu, uh, at least the consequences are a lot easier to problem solve than like, you know, being an alcoholic, for yeah. instance. Until you blow out a knee. Exactly. <laughs> but, I mean, from there, you have a place to pivot from, whereas, like, if you have a DUI and you, you've got your license removed, like, you're really in the hole. But I guess if you don't have any more knees at all, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're hey, there's there's people that do jujitsu with no legs, so you know, what's your excuse? Who who's been your uh, your the people you've looked up to the most as an as a teacher instructor of martial arts? Um, you know, I I don't know that I have anyone I necessarily look up to. I have a, kind of a unique situation where you know after leaving uh, North Sound Jiu-Jitsu, ironically, we were just talking about that, uh, you know, Mike, Mike Simpson promoted me all the way up to Purple Belt, but since then, and, and coming here to Edmonds, you know, I didn't didn't really have uh, anyone guiding my, my Jiu-Jitsu journey. Uh, I think I was still training under Eric Wiseman as far as, like, mixed martial arts goes for a little while. Um, definitely, you know, him, Charlie Pearson, Mike Simpson were, were people that kind of uh, gave me the foundation, but coming here as a purple belt, it was more uh, me seeking and, and self-learning than, than anything else, but, uh, you know, traveling around and, and getting little tidbits from here and there, and, and uh, you know, Aaron Milam's been an influence uh, to an extent uh, down in Portland, um, but, you know, honestly, it's mostly just from the people I train with and uh, just 
self-study and, and, and practicing and seeing what works and failing and coming back and trying something else. And uh, that, that's been kind of the process for me. It hasn't, I don't think, been a traditional one. Uh, I know I'm not unique completely, that there's, there's plenty of other people that are, that are self-taught, so to speak. But, uh, you know, and, and the, it's, we're in a different era now as well where there's so much information out there that you can access as far as, you know, you want to learn some new system or something, then you can pull it up and, and you know, pay for it and, and be learning and studying it in, in minutes. So, um, that, you know, I don't, I don't have that traditional mentor that kind of brought me up under their wing. Um, so, you know, I mean, there's definitely people that I draw inspiration from, uh, but I, I wouldn't necessarily say that they, they uh, you know, mentored me or anything like that. Is being on your own since Purple Belt one, like, you know, essentially on your own since you were a Purple Belt, like, is that the reason why you really, really like the idea of independent study when it comes to jujitsu, or is that something you were doing before? No, I just, uh, in, in, Teaching and coaching, and, and uh, even in my uh, you know full time profession where I'm also a, a coach and teacher, it's just uh, you know we, we like to think of it traditionally of I have all this information and I want to transfer this information to you, uh, but people actually don't learn that way. I guess they do, but it's 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 a it's a longer process, right? And I equate this to. You know, what, what did we do before we had, like, GPS? You know, how did we find our buddy's house? You know, well, you know, back back when I was learning to drive as a teenager and you wanted to find someone's house that, that you weren't familiar with, you know, they would kind of give you landmarks and you're going to take a, the second right and, and then you're going to take the left at the gas station. And, and, and you kind of had to find your way and you learned it by struggling to find it maybe the first time, right? But... Going that way and having that struggle and, and, and having to figure it out for yourself, right? You, you remembered how to get back there and, and how to get out of there and everything much better than kind of mindlessly having a, you know, AI tell you, take the next right, you know, because you, then you're, you're having a conversation, you're listening to music, you're not truly paying attention to where you're going or what you're doing. Um, so, uh, you know, that's, that's not a, a perfect analogy, but it, it is something that it's like, you know, humans have been figuring out how to do things you know, since our existence. You think back to the earliest man, it's like, if you didn't develop skills to hunt or to gather, you didn't exist anymore. So who, who taught the first hunter how to hunt? Uh, I don't think that he had a, a mentor or anybody transferring knowledge to them. Like, I think that there's a certain amount of like scaffolding that has to be structured in place. And then from there, you let the learner do the learning and uh, you just offer the guidance. And I think that we kind of get set in these traditional ways because there becomes this kind of uh, double-edged sword, if you will, as a coach, where you, you have to show that you still have value, right? Uh, you don't want people just walking away, like, well, what do I need you for? But at the same time, humans learn best through struggling and, and adapting. So you have to offer struggle and the ability to adapt. I can't just give you all the answers. And it's something is interesting to me about when I was learning yoga because I was so caught up in like uh, they would tell me what to do just like the map and I would do it as they instructed but I realized that I was only paying attention to to listening to their instructions and then performing their instructions correctly and when I would do a position or a movement I would be trying to see am I moving like they're moving but then when I learned 
internalize the information. I didn't have to look at a concept. I was able to move and I was able to perfect my movement yeah. because I wasn't trying to copy what I was seeing. I was able to feel it, feel it in my body. What Am I in balance? Not, am I doing what he's doing? Yeah. And certainly as a coach or as an instructor, then you, you want to create an environment that produces, you know, you picking up things faster. So, you know, maybe it comes in and, and, and I can adjust some part of your position if I'm teaching you yoga that, 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 that clicks. Um, but, you know, as far as giving you 17 details as to what you're doing wrong, you know, I, I'm not sure that that's the best way. Makes sense. And that's what I like the... I like my experiences with guides. Yeah. When I go out on like fishing or climbing or anything like that, I was so blown away because I've never had that before where you mm -hmm. go and you do something that's kind of inherently exciting to do and like you just got to do it. Yeah. But they're there to like take off as much responsibility as you as you ask for. Yeah. You know, and if you have any questions, they answer your questions and like when I go in these environments I'm so, I'm excited, like I'm getting excited now. Yeah. And I was not familiar with the learning process that way because I was taught, and there's a place for it, but I was taught like textbook information, mm -hmm. you know, and like internalize all this verbatim and do an assessment and reflect to see what you know. And one day you can, you might go out in the field and do that thing if you really love it. But in my adult life, and it started with jujitsu and was arcing through rock climbing and everything else, like. I can't help but be a lifelong learner, man. Like, yeah. This is fun. Oh, totally. And and I will always be a student and a learner. I mean, uh, I just spent the last week working with uh, some really awesome instructors um, for a company running some training. And I, I was afforded the opportunity to kind of test test the waters a little bit as an instructor for this company. And I mean, I walked away just Learn, learning so much and just having that experience, uh, you know, I, I grew even further as, as both a practitioner and an instructor. So I, I think that's important to keep that mentality, that student mentality. And, and the minute you think that you know it all, you know, that that's where you're going to start uh, seeing things come apart. It's just, it's, it's impossible. You know, uh, you, you can never have enough and, and you should always be attempting to learn and, uh, you know, adapt and, and evolve. So. That that is the fun. That's you know that's that's part of that that high that you're chasing, right? Is is that constant improvement and doing better than you were, you know, the last time out. So, yeah. when do you understand that for yourself? I'm like, you know, it, it's um, you know, some of it comes through you know my my experience in law enforcement and being a trainer. There, uh, you know, we were kind of forced to study things like you know, learning psychomotor skills and. Uh, and you you start getting into some of the more theoretical side of, of coaching, and uh, some of that stuff, you know, eventually it stuck, and, and then I started getting more intrigued by it, and, and kind of going down that rabbit hole, and uh, seeing if I, how I can apply it, and uh, you know, recognizing some of the pitfalls of, of more, the more conventional way of learning, and, and, and you know, why, why does it take some people longer to pick things up than others and and just trying to understand how uh, you know what makes a natural a natural uh, mm. you know why, why can't anybody just be a natural and uh, th I think there's reasons behind it and if you understand those reasons maybe you adapt that person that you know is, is maybe not as athletic or adaptable and, and, and uh, maybe it, it gets them further along sooner.
What are some of those, do you know some of those principles offhand? Principles as far as? Or as far, oh no, I lost it. As, as far as um, being able to uh, look and see someone's like, their talent, what they're good at, and, and working with them there and helping them. And I think you just have some people that, that, that have, uh, you know, the, the genes that come in, they're the, the super athlete, if you will, or, you know, some people, uh, have past experiences, you know, they come in and they were already playing sports and they're able to kind of look at something and they already know how to move. And so they go, oh, well, you know, not maybe consciously, but maybe their body already understands how to move in a certain way that, that, uh, it recognizes when put in a position uh, where somebody that has no athletic background comes in and uh, they're not as adaptable uh, because of that. And, uh, there, there's, you, you have to factor in that everybody is different and, yeah. and there, there is no way, of, no, we are not all created equally, <laughs> unfortunately, you know. Uh, not everybody has genetic gifts and, uh, you know, big muscles and everything else or super flexibility and, uh, you know, but but I do believe that we can create a learning process that uh, is superior than you know some of the conventional ways of just drill, 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 drill until you get it. Um, it is shown that that isn't the the uh, you know supreme way of, of learning skills. What what is shown as the supreme way of learning skills, as opposed to just frequency, volume, grind. Yeah, and uh, that that is a way to do it. And, and like I said, I, I think it's uh, you know what I found is 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 offering some framework, right? But then letting you know creating an environment that 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 induces a particular response to build skills. And so uh, maybe that is uh, running a drill where you. Uh, put someone in a particular position and like I said you give them the scaffolding as far as like hey look at what you're looking to do to get out of this position is you know frame this way or, or underhook here or you know you're going to do this sort of a hip movement to to uh, create space or you know talk about the necessity of, of creating space and then you put them in that position and say have at it you know and uh, because some people will find that, that that some things click better and and maybe something about their body type uh, you know we got Alfie sitting right here and he's got legs that can sneak in from anywhere you know yeah. and so it's a what, what Alfie is able to do if I say hey you got to escape bottom side mount you know what he's able to do uh, is not necessarily somebody that comes in that's you know six foot seven with you know long legs that aren't going to be able to do that so I think that that uh, how, how do you have two students in the room like that and then you have to put out like hey you got to rep this out the way I just showed it that's that's not going to be productive in my opinion so so you you make them adapt like hey here's a way to do it okay here we go you're going to do it now and uh, under these restrictions and or, or you set the parameters of, of the drill and then you have them perform is there um, something about the learning process in general that makes you confront that people have a variety of different abilities in places that they're coming from? Or is there something about jujitsu and martial arts specifically that makes you focus on that and think about that a lot? Um, I think that it's just, uh, you know, motor skills in general, um, you know. It, it, it just happens to be that this is the one that I, I fancy, you know. Um, but if you're talking about skill building, you know, what, what whatever skill you're trying to accomplish, you know, you would probably set something up similarly. Uh, you know, 
if you wanted to have somebody learn to, you know, be a better rock climber, can you do that without climbing a rock? I mean, <laughs> you know. But, but if you want someone to write better poetry, mm-hmm. like, the, the success of that or good poetry is pretty subjective. And so, the, like, this isn't motor skills, I know. Yeah. But, like, I'm looking at, like, just skill skill acquisition and, like, mm-hmm. character development through skill acquisition. And some of these things have a very subjective outcome. And for you to be successful is to, like, meet that subjective outcome. Whereas in, like, a jiu-jitsu, if you're smaller and you're grappling bigger people, mm-hmm. and you it kind of could be subjective with the submissions. But um, over time, if you're getting better at using leverage against people who are larger than you and you're not struggling so much underneath of them, that is not necessarily subjective, but an objective challenge that you're overcoming. And rock climbing, like, that's really scary and I'm afraid of heights. Like, that's an objective experience that you go up and once you get to the top, you literally overcame your fear of heights. You didn't, like, make a picture and I say that that looks good. Because what the person who's giving you that reward might be corruptible or they might just be masquerading as kindness and, and you know, hiding your need to develop better skill. Because I think about that with my son. He's like, look at, look at this picture I made. And I'm like, that sucks. Do I say that sucks or do I say it's better than last time or do I say it's great? And then he's like, why don't we keep it on my pictures? Yeah. But then when we do jujitsu and he's like, oh, I didn't get that submission. It's like, yeah, you didn't. You know, this is what you did good, but this is what you can do better. And there's like, it's like hard data. Yeah, and I, I tend to, you know, we can talk about like what went wrong and what, what went well. Um, and I, I guess I'm going back like what, just to make sure we're talking about something that I'm still on point with. Yeah, sorry. Because uh, I'm not talking about writing poetry. I do believe that, that that's something different. Uh, we're, we're talking about motor learning right now and how do you develop physical skills. Yeah. Uh, because I, I, I don't know if that same thing would translate when I'm like trying to become a better writer. Um, as far as like what you know, what things to look out for. But uh, when it comes to this, you know, it's like we, we can talk about you know what went well and what went wrong. But but again, I oftentimes I'm going to put it back on the learner. Mm-hmm. Like, where do you think it went wrong? Yeah. Um, and and uh, have them do the critical thinking on their part because it, it's going to mean more to them. Mm-hmm. And uh, then you know, you know, you want to offer an element of praise because you have to keep people, you know, wanting to be a part of it, you have to keep it positive, right? And, and so that, that you kind of become, I guess, more of a, a counselor in that sense. But when it comes to the actual learning part or assessing their performance, you know, I would prefer them to do it themselves than have me dictate it to them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, if they're way up base, maybe I'm, I'm giving little things to get them on base, but uh, it, it's... It, it, it is kind of incomplete. It's part of the learning process, right? And that's why I think that Competition is super important, right? It's like go out there when the stakes are higher, and uh, you know where you're facing a, a unknown competitor, maybe. And uh, now, you know, it's a little more aggressive, a little more real, if you will, and, and seeing how you do under that pressure, and then coming back and okay, let's talk about that performance, and um, you know, and again, the, the self-assessment they're gonna they're gonna take way out, you know, and, and it becomes part of being a good learner too, right? Because there are students that come in and they're traditionally taught or they, they, they want all the answers, right? And it's like, you know, you know, do you want me to just say everything right now? And they're looking at me constantly like, oh, well, it's more or less like, we're gonna have to figure this out, you know? And it's gonna be 
on you. I can't get out there for you and do it. Yeah. So um, it's 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 for me. I found that to be more productive. And, and for me, I did take it off to, to just general skill acquisition and realizing that you're talking about like gross motor skills. It's I grew up thinking very compartmentally, just like the shows I watch, nerds, jocks, all those other things. Mm -hmm. And I'm realizing how important it is to have some kind of, for me anyways, recreation and like gross motor skills. Whether it's like I'm at the skate park and I'm trying to do 180s and flips, or I'm rock climbing jiu-jitsu, because I thought that there was something about that that gave me honesty. Yeah. And like there was like something that I was learning that was really hard to find in all these other things. Yeah. And uh, and I and I was wondering because I would watch these children come into the room with all of these backgrounds and problems and advantages and skills, and you just see this great leveling force of like you know shrimping or, or whatever, and. I couldn't remove those challenges for them. Yeah, I can only help guide them along the way. And I thought that was like, I've never gotten a learning environment like that in my whole life. You know, and when I came into here, my character, I felt like I was developing, I was missing out on all this development from when I was a kid. Yeah. And I still feel like I am, I guess. Yeah, and I think it's still in, in development. You know, I, I think there's still a lot of traditional coaching going on out there. and. and, and I'm not sure that uh, everybody is satisfied with uh, you know the methods of, of coaching, but there's certainly been shown to, to have some effectiveness with you know just the notion that they the humans are adaptable. Let, let's take advantage of that. So um, I've been playing around with it. I am by no means an expert at it. It's just been uh, a progression for me as you know in the position that I'm in. And uh, I, I find that it, it's it's been working well, so I'm, I'm just I'm just rolling with it. So. I've actually found success with that same kind of thing when yeah. it comes to teaching. It's just giving, like you said, the scaffolding. Like you're stuck underneath this person, you're allowed to use this frame and this foot. Figure out how to get out. Go, and then watching them is like, hey, you just did the move that you couldn't do before that. Now you're doing it perfectly, or you know you're doing it well. When before, when you take away all that context. And all that, even that stress of somebody actively being on top of them, like you add that into the scenario, and now they can all of a sudden do it. Yeah. Have you been a participant in that learning process too? Uh, have you gone through that experience yourself? I wouldn't know. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Have I got? <laughs> I mean, you tell me. You're from the other side of it, so yeah. it's. it's uh, I don't know if it's if it's been a unique experience. You know, you've been here. How long has it been? Almost a year? Yeah, about a year. Yeah. Yeah, a year. So I, I don't know. Uh, you know, a good, a good part of that was just, you know, rolling in the, the mats of the old house. And yeah, so you kind of have to figure it out when yeah. you're just live rolling. Yeah. But I mean, there, there, was, there was instruction, just not like traditional instruction, where it's like, hey, you keep on getting stuck here. Try this. And you're like, oh, snap, that works. Or yeah. like, I don't get this. I mean, there's, there's plenty of things, like I'll do a private lesson with Austin, or there's stuff that like you showed me a year ago that like six months later or even now I'm just now getting like like the whole bicep framing system. Yeah. Like you showed me that a year ago, like literally a year ago, and it didn't start clicking for me until like four months ago. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah, I, yeah, I showed you that too. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. I mean, that's mine. Pay <laughs> me for that trademark. Yeah. Pay me for that information. It's so beautiful to see the Pujitsu framing system. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Works if you have little stubby arms. Yeah. <laughs> 
you could take something though and, and learn and, and have that whole process play out over the series of months and years. And I didn't even, I thought things were way more simple than that. Not in jujitsu, just life. Yeah. In, I mean, like, maybe I just haven't done the right jobs. Yeah, but you can, my you jobs can make things like, simple if you like, you know, and just how, how deep do you want to go? How, how much do you want to break things down? Because you can zoom in, you can zoom out. You know? mm-hmm. And I think that's the thing that I had to, I realized that I, as I got older, there was a greater scale to things. And like life seemed to get richer, but life perhaps never changed. It was just my awareness of what was going on. Yeah, that's that's kind of what happens with wisdom, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, I think about that with my son. It's like, you should like this. You should want to do these things. And it's like, or this is this is easy to jump on this like six inch ledge on your scooter you can do this because it's easy for me and I don't realize like you know for me that was really intense and like 20 years later not so intense anymore yeah and it's not fixed right but it does change over time oh yeah and and I forget that a lot uh, but my son reminds me that frequently and when I come in jiu-jitsu I get excited because with my mom and even people I worked with. Your mom like, does jujitsu? Yes, she does. Fuck you, Your mom does jujitsu. <laughs> but in, in like in those professions, they would like work. They would do the learning. You'd have training, right? And then once the training's over, you're at work for the rest of your life. Yeah. There's no more training. And and here it's like jujitsu or running, like just training every day. Yeah. Like that's maybe twice a day for lucky. Yeah. Try to sometimes three times a day. Try to, and I remember work though. I'd like skirt and get away from like doing those classes or those trainings because they sucked. Yeah, yeah. They're they're watching an hour, you know, a four hour long video in the back of a you know grocery store. I've had like three bosses give me all the answers to the tests and just like, oh, here's your forklift certification. Like, yeah. Oh, shujitsu was that simple? I don't. Nah. It kind of goes against everything we've been talking about. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy the process. <laughs> Enjoy the process. Um, so we're, we're in Seattle, and uh, I guess, like, it's kind of a center of conversation in the United States with, like, police and its relationship with, with uh, going hands-on with people. Okay. And de-escalating uh, without the use of force. Uh, I, from the perspective of jujitsu and martial arts, mm-hmm. uh, I feel like that's a, a very informed perspective because you're going hands-on with people every day in a recreational setting. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you think uh, jujitsu is like has helped policing in the United States, and how do you think it's? Uh, I think that you have examples where, um, if if done right, it is it has definitely been. Uh, successfully applied uh, you know Marietta Georgia comes to mind and that was a police department that uh, not necessarily made their cops train but what they did was they offered to cover tuition for anyone that wanted to train and I, I don't know all the data uh, but they had well, let's just say 50% of them and I'm making this up 50% of the officers uh, on that department uh, started training in jiu-jitsu and they were actually able to collect data uh, and show that there was a significant difference in those officers that elected to train in jiu-jitsu uh, versus those that did not and as far as 
uh, injuries to them, injuries to uh, you know suspects they were taking into custody, and and then actual documentation of use of force. Uh, all those numbers were down compared to the officers that uh, did not elect to take the training. So uh, I think that's uh, a pretty good case study. I mean, this is just something that, that those of us in the profession that uh, have always trained recognize pretty early on. It's like uh, the, these skills help in the job. It's it, There's no doubt about it. Uh, part of the job, if... if uh, you, you know, you're working in uh, law enforcement capacity to where you're taking custodial arrest of people, then people are going to resist arrest and you're going to have to know the best ways to control another human being. Uh, and you get that with jujitsu, you know, and, and uh, it's nothing that's just going to come to you in the moment if you're not practicing it. Basically, then the ways you're going to get it are, are, you know, through on the job experience uh, or, you know, having put yourself through some some sort of training program that uh, you know whether it be jujitsu or some other martial art you know it's not jujitsu is not everything and I think that that term has become uh, broader than ever as far as what is jujitsu these days uh, because I, I do believe that it also you can include in there wrestling and judo uh, for the takedown aspects and all all of it's very necessary right it all comes into play when you're talking about controlling another human being that doesn't want to be controlled. Uh, there's effective ways of doing it. And there's ineffective ways of doing it. And I think, uh, you know, jujitsu, again, the broad term, uh, has perfected dominating another human being with, with, with your own self. What's the difference of creating a, uh, a specialized custom training plan in-house, you know, from, uh, and uh, participating in, in the system of, you know, grappling jujitsu, judo, and wrestling? Are you talking about as far as like a department that develops their own program? Yeah, because um, I assume departments are training police officers, and they always have been. Yeah, well, I mean, that's one thing, and we, we talked about this last time uh, we chatted, is is that it's not something that is ingrained in the culture of law enforcement. There, there's just, it's it's actually pretty sad when you start talking about the, the skill-based training in law enforcement. It's, it's almost non-existent, you know. I, I think... Even since we last, you know, I was last on here with you, things have changed a lot because of, you know, all the, the things that have broken down since then. Uh, and I think the public is more aware than ever about the lack of training as far as this stuff goes when it comes to law enforcement. And, uh, you know, the awareness is creating at least pressure to, to start changing the culture. Uh, but we're still not there yet, you know. It, 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 it's, 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 it's starting to kind of go grassroots and, and, and grow, but, um, you know, I'm seeing more and more departments that are starting to get on board and, and at least recognizing that there's an issue here. Um, but unfortunately, the profession is still very reactive, and, and, and it takes these monumental uh, incidents, most times tragedies that, that have to happen in, in order for there to actually be something done about it. And, uh, you know, the, 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 the gears turn very slowly. Uh, and in my opinion, we, we've got to recognize the necessity for training, uh, especially training and skills. And then the one that is the greater frequency and also the most dynamic would be what I'm talking about, like, like arrest tactics or, or control tactics. Uh, unfortunately, that's the least practiced one. Um, you know, it, as far as you know, the 
big things like use of a firearm where it's high liability, you know, we, we still make sure that there's a standard that needs to be met for that. But uh, it, it, when we talk about empty-handed or control tactics or arrest tactics or whatever you want to call it, there's no standard for that. Uh, th there's no qualification on a department to make sure that you're up to snuff with those skills. Uh, and, and you see it play out in these incidents when you have these cops that don't understand uh, what, what they're trying to do and then it, it plays out usually negatively. Um, so with that, you know, and recognizing that, my, my plan is like true police reform is, is not something that takes a year. Uh, it's going to take a decade, you know, and, and, until the culture changes, right? We, we, we have to have uh, a paradigm shift when it comes to that so that it doesn't become this extra thing and it's just part of the job, right? I, I go to training because it's part of the job, uh, which is not what we have right now. And, and i sorry to generalize this, but I think that that's the paradigm of training in most professions. Yeah. And I see in jujitsu and in other things like that, running and all these other things, it's like people try to slim their job responsibilities so they can do more of it. Yeah. And combining that seems like such a beautiful opportunity. Yeah, and I, I wish that everybody had that mindset, but unfortunately, that's just not reality. You know, not not everybody uh, wants to get on the mat and, and you know roll around with sweaty dudes. Mm -hmm. It just uh, isn't everybody's jam. Uh, you know, and and on top of that, it wasn't anything that was you know made a big deal coming into the profession. It's just, uh, it is what it is. Like, you feel like you've been trained uh, coming through the academy and, 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 and realistically that's, that's, that's not true. Uh, it, it's, it's something that is, uh, you know, as long as you want to remain in the profession, in my opinion, you, it's your responsibility to make sure that your skills are maintained and your fitness is maintained and, and there's nobody else that can do that for you. In, in other, in any profession, have you ever seen that as a reflection of the culture? People embodying that, like, professionally? Outside of law enforcement? Yeah, um, even inside. Yeah, I mean, I guess the difference would be, you know, just because, you know, you, you mentioned uh, being a chef or a cook earlier. It's like, you, you mess up an order, you know, what, what are the consequences of that? Yeah. yeah. Just, that wasn't rhetorical. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Never been a chef. Yeah. So. They, they just they, they talk shit to you, and you just kind of let it roll off your shoulder. And okay. going. Now imagine the stakes of a police officer messing up, and you've seen how that can uh, evolve, right? So you give over easy eggs instead of over medium, then you get you know, shot. Yeah. 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 Maybe your server uh, takes an earful, um, you know. But for a police officer, they have a bad day. They make a mistake, and then suddenly it could be a life-changing event. Uh, and our responsibility to the public as well, you know. Uh, there's there's times, and I'm not getting into uh, justification or lack thereof, but uh, I, I've seen events play out that I know were preventable uh, with with a with a highly trained officer that would not have gone down the same way. And I don't think there's anybody that could make an argument otherwise. Uh, but that, that doesn't mean that that officer did wrong or did bad. And that's many of these cases is, are not, there's no malice. It's just uh, an officer that, that truly is in fear because they, they are in over their head. They're overwhelmed and they, and they don't have the skills to 
get themselves out of the situation. So things escalate to, you know, tragedy levels. And, uh, that, that's, that's what we're talking about in, in the profession when you, you know, have, make a mistake. There, there's, there's little room for error with this stuff, you know. I mean, you can mess up a report or something like that, but when we're talking about this stuff, the stakes are very high. Um, so I don't understand how uh, you could go into this profession and, and not feel the same way that I do. Um, but there's many that do, you know. Uh, do you ever think of ways to to account for all of those perspectives? And if not, in that professional way, mm -hmm. but even in your mission for what you're, how you're trying to teach jujitsu, right? People come into the room with all different reasons why they're here and goals and stuff that might not align with yours. How do you deal with that with people just in general? As far as, as, as far why as, they're here? What? You're asking like why they're here? Or, yeah, as or, far as why they're here yeah. and what their goal is. You know, I don't I don't make it a point of that. And, and, and sometimes maybe it's something very private that they're here for. Um, and, and frankly, it, it doesn't matter to me why they're here. Um, it's just for me to uh, be the best influence. I, I believe in this uh, as as more than just you know learning jujitsu. I, I believe that it is a life enhancer, and, and it goes beyond just the physical aspects of it. And, and, but uh, I will always push it as, as more than just you know getting on the mat and rolling around. So uh, whatever way that it it, it 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 brought them here, my my job is not to really know the why. It's just to make sure that the the journey. Uh, continues and, and, and done to the best of my ability. So, do you think it's a life enhancer because they're doing the, the motor skills, um, or because the dynamic of combat itself? All of the above. Yeah, I mean, you're coming in. You're like I said. You have the mind, mind and body element to it. You have the physical aspect to it, where you are, you know, exerting and and. and uh, conditioning your body, and, and then you have uh, the problem-solving aspect to it, the, the cerebral side of it. Um, that that's you know you, you walk away and you're constantly thinking about strategies and how to improve, and uh, you know that that adapts in other aspects of life. It doesn't just stick to the mat. You know, I find myself all the time it's like analyzing problems and kind of taking uh, the jujitsu approach to it. You know, finding the most efficient way to you know drive my car. You know, what, whatever it may be. Um, I, I do believe it transcends uh, from the mats to other aspects of your life. Uh, you then coming away with having confidence in yourself and knowing that, uh, uh, you know, if, if something broke, you, you know how to handle yourself and you've been put in stressful conditions and, and performed. Uh, and there's not many other aspects of life that can give you all of that in a safe environment. That's wild to be able to build confidence and all of that within a safe environment, but yeah. you're setting it up for very real competition and very real matches. Yeah, and I don't think that that's, you know, always the the pinnacle of what jiu-jitsu is, you know, the, the street fight, if you will, but it, it goes beyond that. It's avoiding the street fight or, or, or being that person that walks with their head held high that doesn't become a victim because of that. I've, I've literally been with the student, man, and I was like, wow, you're such a nice girl. Why are all these people spitting in the food and, like, trying to throw things in the garbage? And then, like, the next day, oh, my gosh, because she's, um, she's victimizing herself in very real ways. Yeah. And it was like, 
you're just putting target on your back. Like, let's let's try to do something about it. Cause she'd just be like, I'm a loser. And it's like, and she just slumped real low and look up. And when I got her to teach something, she like almost had like a meltdown because she all that attention was on her, and she just got real small. Yeah. And um, and that's what I think a lot about people that I love, and I want to tell them what might be good choices to make when I see them really hurting. Yeah. And what better way to find something that you can be passionate about? And you got to deal with your problems in order to do it. Oh yeah. You know? Yeah, and and the other aspect that you know you already kind of alluded to is like there's there's no excuses. It's it's on you. You can't blame someone else. You know, it's on you. You're out here. You're the one doing it. So, um, it, just in closing, too, what uh, what programs are you aware of that's making headway in the space of using like martial arts to help training for police officers? And, yeah, I mean, there there's some some big names out there. Um, quite honestly, I think uh, the realist approach is just there. There's there's many people that have been involved in, in training police for years that have been beating this drum for so long, and they've been out there, and there's just been no support. The thing that's changed now is, like I said, there's a, there's a public awareness that's developed, and it's given us, you know the clout now to actually have something happen and get get the get the ball rolling so to speak because uh, and you know I am not uh, the, the only one that's been in a position of you know uh, air quotes highly trained that that has been beating this drum that has the ability to uh, you know start running programs within their own department and and, and developing you know, efficiently skilled police officers and, and uh, they kind of go out there and handle themselves and, you know, manage to control and arrest, uh, you know, the majority of anyone they may encounter. And uh, I think that's where you make the most hay. I don't think that there's anything that you can, that there's, there's no magic bullets in this stuff, you know. It, it comes down to running a program and, and having uh, the opportunity to, to train your people. Um, in whatever framework you, you want to use. And, and, you know, like, like I started saying, there, there's high-profile training programs out there that are going around, um, but without uh, complete buy-off on these individual departments to actually train their people, it, it doesn't mean a whole lot. Um, you know, it, it's like uh, anything else that if it's, if it's not something that's that's going to be followed through on, then, then what's even the point of, of starting? And, and, and I'm, I don't believe that there is a one-week program that you can call yourself a, an instructor at the end of it uh, that, that is going to solve the problem. Uh, could it be a catalyst within a department? Sure. Um, but being how policing in one area may be completely different than another, I, I also don't think that there is an off-the-shelf way of handling this because you're going to have different ways of needing to structure the program, uh, you know, per department policy during, uh, how, how does that area need to, uh, adhere to, uh, the, the culture of that area or the, uh, the individual laws of that place. It, it differs. And so, uh, the, the practices within the police department, you know, how, how the size of the department has a factor, you know, I, I, I would say in America, I work for a pretty, mid-level you know department um not not a giant one but definitely not a small one and and, and how how you 
train that department is going to be different. So um, there, there's no magical answer here. There's no easy way to just download a program and, and fix it all. You, you're going to have to do the hard work and you're going to need the departments to buy off on it. And, and it, like I said, it's going to take more than, uh, you know, an interview on the news uh, pushing a certain program. Like that's, uh, that's, that's great. I don't have anything against any of that. And I, I you know, uh, believe that, that that may be a good starting point if you have nothing else, uh, but it, it's going to take far more than that is all I'm really trying to say. What do you think is the best way to get departments interested in stuff like this? Like just showing them good examples of like success stories from different departments that are doing this Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, that, like I said, there, there's been a little bit of momentum generated and there's data out there from Marietta, Georgia. Uh, there's some things that, that I'm involved in right now currently that I think... Uh, could generate some some buzz locally uh, if if done right and followed through on and so one you know departments like I said they're they're generally reactive but if they see something that is effective you know they're, they're, they're they will jump on board especially if they got public support you know that's the biggest thing if there's public pressure pushing for something uh, it, it will get it will get done um, because that's that's where that's where it counts right is it. You have an angry public, then things happen. Um, otherwise, it's a tough sell for anything. Any kind of change within the police world takes some magnificent event or public outcry, and then that's that's when the biggest sweeping changes will happen. It's something that you talked about earlier um, with trying to learn about like things through the system and the framework, and not actually getting to the meat and potatoes and internalizing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we do this. This the biggest cliche is like how to lose weight. Yeah. Like, right, and it's constantly peddled. But the reality of it is, is it's this long process of learning about why you're overweight. Yeah. And getting to the heart of like what levers you can move to change that. And it's not really clear cut. It's very like what you were saying is like stress, problem solving, adaptation. Yeah. And just repeat, repeat, repeat. Oh yeah. But if you were to take away the form of like martial arts, you're creating an environment where people are providing real resistance, spending a lot of time engaging in that experience, and um, and there's real merit to being successful. Not I've never been in a training program um, in a profession where I've gotten that kind of experience, and I don't know if it lends itself to the professional environment, but being in here, it demands it. Yeah, and no one will cut my, my, my bullshit. <laughs> I can't, you know, tell everyone I'm really good at something, and you know, and they go ask you guys, and, oh no, it sucks. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah. And if I go to the, you know, if I go to the the competition, I know I'm like not the best person in the room because it's like obvious. But if I go in and I'm I'm still getting a paycheck, like, yeah, you know. Um, if I remember Andrew Yang when he was running for president, one mm-hmm. of the things that. He was talking about was requiring um, police officers to potentially have a blue belt. I think he was all the way to purple belt. Oh, purple belt. Yeah. Yeah. I heard that if there were any kind of requirement. First of all, do you think that would be like a reasonable or feasible thing for for someone? Yeah, I mean, do you think? I I don't know that you necessarily need to assign rank to what is required of a police officer. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that because like. There's purple belts that suck, you know? Like, like, okay, just because you get purple belt, that means you stop training. 
uh, because there's many to do, you know, and that's kind of where I'm going with that. It's yeah. not, not necessarily like the rank of purple belt sucks. Like, no, there's obviously many purple belts that, that could compete with the, the best in the world. Uh, it's, it's just a rank, but that's what I mean is that, like, what we're talking about is you, you don't want to just hit this milestone and then it goes away. Like, what, what needs to really happen, in my opinion, is consistency. Uh, there, there needs to be, like, like my goal by the time that I retire from law enforcement uh, is for my department to have established a training day built into the work week. You know, however that has to happen. I don't necessarily mean, you know, these arrest skills or control tactics skills or defensive tactics skills or whatever you want to call them. Uh, it, it can be for anything. But if it just becomes part of your job that, you know what, this is the day I train on. And today, you know what, I'm going to go and we're going to run some scenario-based training uh, or we're going to go out to the range and we're going to work on firearms all day or we're going to go uh, work on our, you know, de-escalation skills or whatever it may be. And, and, and that way it's just part of the job and it doesn't become this big deal because that's what it is now. We train so rarely that anytime it comes up, it's this big deal that, and then no one really wants to be there because it's out of their routine, you know, and, and, and I get that. I'm guilty of it too. It's like, oh man, I got to go out and, you know, drive a car today on the track and, and sounds fun, you know, in the moment you're like, ah, but I have all this other stuff going on in my everyday job to just separate and go do that is, is, is an inconvenience. Right. Uh, and then in the day I always have a good time and I'm glad I went, but it, it's that, you know, again, it's this idea that, uh, it, it's not, uh, built into our routines to do it. It's, it's something that's, you know, a rare occasion. That's pretty, that's pretty, uh, impressive. Just, taking note of that because I think that's why people run hundred milers and do jiu-jitsu like those things are initially like warm-up suck yeah. running sucks but over time you like crave it and yeah. you can't live without it and it's just you know my beliefs are that maintaining your skills is, is part of being a professional and uh, you know right now we don't have that so it's kind of on you but I do believe that if if you know we're a little more progressive uh, in, in the way we think as a profession than if we learn to just build it in. I mean, you, you talk to any uh, special forces operator, they're constantly training. If they're not on a mission, they're training for the next mission. And, and the thing is, we just don't know when we're going to get that violent encounter. And you don't have a say in it either. It just, when it happens, it happens. And, uh, you know, de-escalation, all that, it's great, but uh, de-escalation isn't up to the officer. They can contribute to the escalation, but ultimately it's the person they're dealing with that decides whether or not a situation uh, is resolved by, you know, peaceful means. And if the officer isn't properly equipped with the training to go hands-on, then they become uh, an unknown variable if it becomes Absolutely. Absolutely. I've had that. Even the way that they, even the way that they could speak, not that I'm a police officer or anything, but even the way that they could speak where they're stressed out and the person notices that they're uncomfortable and stressed out, they're gonna be like, oh, this guy's scared. I'm not scared, I can take this guy. I mean, I've seen that even play out in just low level things where when things start to get very stressful and people are yelling and a teacher starts to yell too, like now this kid's being violent. Well, it's similar to what you were talking about with the student that got picked on, right? Walking around, looking down, kind of slumped over. Uh, you know, a police officer that is quick to get loud, you know, uh, people pick up on that. It's it's nonverbal communication and you can detect the fear, you know, we have that built into us and when people detect that, right, uh, then, you know, they, they've got nothing left. They've, they've hit 
they've hit all they have. It was, it was to get loud. Yeah. It's like, okay, you know what? You, you don't, you're scared right now and, and you're scared of me and it's almost empowering to, you know, the person they're dealing with. Mm-hmm. Is there uh, anywhere people can learn more about Kindred and yourself? Yeah, kindredjj.com. Uh, we have everything up on the website, the full schedule's up there. Uh, contact info, if you have any questions, is all up there. Um, you know, you got my bio on there. Um, so uh, we're, you know, open open doors to guests. If you're from out of town and you're in this area, just drop in, no fees attached to that. Uh, yeah, I mean, we're, we're a very welcoming uh, facility here and, and everybody's really cool. And, and, you know, if you're ever contemplating getting involved in something like this, come, come check us out. We're in Edmonds, Washington. So, yeah. Thank you for your time, Kyle. Yeah, thanks for having me. Woo! Thank you guys for listening to this episode of the podcast. You can check out um, the show notes. There's um, a link to a research article that was mentioned in the episode. And you can find the links to uh, Alfie's YouTube channel, Poo.Jitsu. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode as much as I did. And I'm going to play you out with a song called Samsara by Sadistic. Hope you guys enjoy. Bye. From a type of flint, flint water in a diet hiding in the lion's den Words like a rain catcher first to the fire catch Search through the paint splatter birds in a wire mesh I defend my idle friends, tell me where the time I went A product of environment is caught up in a spider web dialect Why would you admire this? I invent might effects the highest just a side effect Ooh, careful cause it might affect you A cook of my defense, a phalanx, fence full of talons That's me anything, all deflected with talent Reflections infected with malice, amputate me I'll reanimate after they leave limbs hanging by your limb I can master gang green when the path that I Travels dilapidating and daydreams that I have at decapitate king Samsara, now I know I'm getting my karma Keeping my head above water When I say I'm sorry, I'm shedding my armor When I wake up, then you better be gone Or go Samsara, now I know I'm getting my karma Keeping my head above water When I say I'm sorry, I'm shedding my armor When I wake up, then you better be gone